The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So let me just say, um, if you happen to be new here, then, since I didn't get an intro, the, the regular teacher is Gil Fronstall. Uh, I'm Richard Shankman. I live in the East Bay, and I do teach here once in a while. Uh, and I will be here Saturday, uh, leaving the day long also. Um, tonight I want to talk on the topic of intention. Big, important topic in Buddhist teaching. gets talked about many, many times. And I want to um, use a few passages from the Dhammapada. So let me first just say something about the Dhammapada. Many of you are familiar with it. Some of you may have read all or parts of it. Uh, it's a very short work in the Pali literature. Probably one of the, I would think, one of the most, if not the most popular and beloved of all the, of the texts. And I'm, tonight I'm going to use, I'm only going to read um, a handful of passages. And uh, I'm using Gill's translation, not because I'm at IMC, but uh, it's the best translation I've found. There's a lot of translations out there. So let me just um, start with a few passages here. So these opening uh, passages are, are also the most familiar, so some of you will recognize some of this. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a corrupted mind, and suffering follows as the wagon wheel follows the hoof of the ox. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speaker act with a peaceful mind and happiness follows like a never departing shadow. He abused me, attacked me, defeated me, robbed me. For those carrying on like this, hatred does not end. She abused me, attacked me, defeated me, robbed me. For those not carrying on like this, hatred ends. Hatred never ends through hatred. By non-hatred alone does it end. This is an ancient truth. Many do not realize that we here must die. For those who realize this, quarrels end. And then I'm going to skip and just read a couple, two more stanzas. Those who consider the inessential to be essential and see the essential as inessential do not don't reach the essential, living in a field of wrong intention. Those who know the essential to be essential and the inessential as inessential reach the essential, living in the field of right intention. So that's all I'm going to read for that now. And I may come back and repeat a few of those um, stanzas. When I was young, many, many years ago, I must have been maybe around 20 years old, I remember that I had um, made a list of sort of it was um, sort of a, a vision of how I would like my ideal life to look. And just about every aspect you could think of, I wrote out what I would want. And the idea I had was, I, I don't know, I've heard somebody talking on this maybe, that 
you know, as I live, maybe I can create my life to be the way I want it to be. And, and, um, but first I had to be aware of what I wanted my life to look like and I had to reflect on it. So I wrote out, um, uh, you know, what, what my ideal relationship situation would be and my living situation and what kind of work would I do and what would my finances look like. And back when I was young, I used to be a rock climber. So that was on my list. I wanted to be able to climb at a certain level and um, uh, just every aspect of life you can think about. Um, uh, I used to, when I was young, I kind of had a little friendly competition with my brother on who could bench press the most. So I had my goal of how much I could bench press. Uh, those days are long gone. Um, so anyway, every aspect of my life. And then I wrote out, um, you know, well, what what would it look like in five years and 10 years and 20 years? And then it was well, starting now, what would I do? How to start moving in those directions so I could kind of create my life to look. And the idea was if I could get all these things on the list how I wanted, I don't know what I thought. I was just going to enter some um, (laughs) bliss or, you know, life would be great. And then I didn't think about the list for more than 30 years. And then I'm 55 now. Just a few years ago, I ran across the list. It had been filed away somewhere, and I pulled it out. I said, oh, wow, yeah, that's right. I had this list. So I was looking over it, and a few of the things I did did happen. A lot of them didn't. But what really struck me about the list is that most of the things on there, I didn't care. At the time, that was uh, going to be what was made my life just fantastic and just bring me this deep sense of fulfillment. And now, you know, some of the things I cared, some I didn't, some happened, some didn't. But, you know, who I was, what was important to me, had just changed a lot over the years. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't pay attention to things in life that, uh, you know, like perhaps we all want to make sure we're, you know, no one wants to be struggling financially, for example. And uh, there's a big group here, so I'm imagining in a group like this, I've certainly gone through times in my life where I've struggled financially a lot. It was a lot of suffering. It was pretty rough. So I don't want that. And uh, so I'm not saying that we wouldn't want to create certain circumstances in my life. But the point I'm making is going back to reflecting on what is the essential and what is the inessential how is it that most of us are living our lives? You know, we've all, you may not be that conscious about your list, but you know what? We've all got a list. I mean, you know, let's be honest about it. Maybe we don't know in certain areas of our lives what, be look, what it would look like. But, you know, if you thought about it, we've all got our list. We know what we want life to look like and we know what we definitely don't want it to look like. And I don't know that we're going to stop doing that. We're human beings. That's not the point. But when we start to reflect on what is the essential from a Dharma perspective, that's, uh, um, that's a different question. Because even like one of the things I, got, I did got on my list, uh, uh, which, again, those days are way past me, but I reached my goals for, as, as a rock climber and I w- was able to. And also um, um, I, I got my bench press goal. I was able to out bench press my brother, which was a big deal. Um, and you know what I noticed is um, those are real pulls. And I think it's important, very important 
to really respect the energy of those forces and those pulls. That was a real, there's a lot of force there. That, you know, and so whatever it is that we're really involved in and we care about, there's going to be a real pull there. So that needs to have a lot of respect. And I noticed that once I was able to reach that point that I bench pressed, um, I wasn't actually any happier than I was before I could do it. None. I just could do it now, so it was a little satisfying in the moment. I'm not saying it didn't have any satisfaction. But wow, I did it, and then that was kind of it. You know? And you know, I had these goals in rock climbing, and, I've, and I was a decent climber in my day. And um, um, actually, it was pretty satisfying in the moment. But you know, it's, it's gone. Was it the essential? What does it mean to go to look for what's essential? So I don't want to try and tell you what the essential should be in your life. I think that's a whole converse, big conversation. It's not for me to say. One thing I think would be worth reflecting on that we've done here, we won't go through it tonight, is, uh, uh, you know, what is, what do we want our life to be about on the deepest sense, in the highest sense? What is the real essential? How much of our energy in our life do we spend uh, uh, living or moving in those directions, cultivating those qualities? And how much of our time do we spend on the inessential? It's okay to spend time on the inessential. We just want to be aware of what we're doing. We don't want to be just caught on automatic pilot and and just not have any consciousness or freedom or choice around what we're doing. That's all. That's all. Something I've said here many times, I tell the story a lot, uh, is that uh, when I was growing up with my father, we used to watch the old westerns. So it got programmed in me to love the old westerns. It's just conditioned in my mind. Not the, the cowboy and Indian ones, because even as a child, for some reason, I had it, I don't know, I just had some consciousness around, you know, I think we're stealing the land from the Indians here. I don't know, I could kind of, Remember, as a child, thinking that, but it's not those, but it's more about the ranchers and the, you know, battling the other, those kind, or the, or the gunslingers coming into town. And so, to this day, I don't really watch much TV anymore, but I love them. I just love them. And it's just programmed in me from a child. I remember just being with my father, you know. And the 50s and 60s, that was the golden era of Westerns, I, I think. So, when I'm watching a Western, the inessential. And I know it. I don't make a big deal about it. So it's okay. It's okay. But you want to know what you're doing. Okay, I'm just wasting a little time here. I'm relaxing. I'm enjoying a Western. The reason it's important to reflect on the essential is, I said I want to talk about intention and not tonight. In order to set our intentions for life, We need to be clear about how we're directing our minds and how we're directing our efforts and our energies. For example, you all came here tonight for a group that's about something very specific. It's about strengthening and cultivating uh, certain qualities of the mind and the heart and these Dharma qualities. Now, I would just offer up that as if you are reflecting on the essential and the inessential, I hope 
that that will be informed, and I'm assuming it's true since you're even here at a group like this, but I hope it would be informed by a wish, a desire, a motivation to strengthen what I call the Dharma qualities, the qualities of being more clear and mindful and awake and compassionate and loving or more free or, you know, there's so many words we can use. More clear, more skillful in how we live. Living in a way that creates less suffering for ourselves and others and it creates more happiness for ourselves and others. So those are kind of qualities that for me, I, I, I hope my intention is that to have those as much as I'm capable of inform the decisions I make and how I live. So to me, those are, are the Dharma qualities are what are really getting more towards the essential in life. So I leave it to each person to, to reflect on that for yourself. Once we've done that, then it's very important. It's talked about often about getting clear about intention because everything we do comes out of some intention, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And oftentimes we don't reflect um, on our intention. And so going back to the example I used earlier, which was the list I had discovered that I'd written Uh, That was actually an example when I was young. That was an example of uh, trying to get clear about what I wanted and then making an intention that I acted from conscious and really put some energy behind it there. Right. Looking back on it, some of the things on there may not have been what I would now consider to be necessarily the wisest and most skillful choices, although some of them were. It was a mix. But that was an example of intention. So what I would like to offer up is, what I have found useful is, at any point in our lives, we bring as much awareness as we have, as much much wisdom as we have, whatever that is. We just do the best we can to reflect on our lives, using all that's available to us. And then from that, Try to get as clear as we can about what's essential. And then from there, setting some intentions on how we want to live, what we want to, how we want to spend our time, where we focus our efforts, how we want to act, the qualities we want to cultivate in ourselves and in our lives. Now, let me read the... Um, I want to go back to the, to the opening um, stanzas here. So this is a repeat of what I read earlier. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a corrupted mind and suffering follows as the wagon wheel follows the hoof of the ox. And it repeats all experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a peaceful mind and happiness follows like a never departing shadow. He abused me, attacked me, defeated me, robbed me. For those carrying on like this, hatred does not end. She abused me, attacked me, defeated me, robbed me. For those not carrying on like this, hatred ends. Hatred never ends through hatred. By non-hate alone does it end. This is an ancient truth.
it's often pointed out that in whatever ways we act, whatever mind state or state of the mind and heart is present in, what, in, an, in, a, in a moment, in an action, that will, is what will be strengthened in us. So the, any moment of acting out of anger or delusion or reactivity or hatred, whether we're aware of it or not in the moment, it just tends to strengthen that aspect of the mind. It's just the way things work. And any, any moment of acting in a heart out of a mind that's, um, or heart that's more loving, more peaceful, more awake, it tends to strengthen those qualities. It's just kind of the way it works. It's just really what we talk about the way the mind is conditioned. The conditioning is, is, is a term that's used a lot. But it's just habit. We're just sort of you know, wearing those grooves. I don't know if it's literally, but wearing those grooves in the brain uh, or neural pathways, if you want to look kind of at a, at a physical model, that they get strengthened. And others kind of lose their strength from, from not being used so much. Now, what's important about that is um, all of us have some times when we're kind of mindful or aware or more awake in the present moment. We all have at least some moments. And all of us have plenty of moments when we're on automatic pilot. You're awake, but we're just caught up in things. Probably for most of us, we have lots and lots and lots of automatic pilot moments Maybe not as many uh, more wakeful moments. I don't know. It's going to be different for each of us. Now, um, so just this last week, uh, something happened with my wife and it kind of pissed me off. And she did something and I just kind of snapped at her. It wasn't that bad. But I said something like, you know, darn it, you know, you're pissing me off. Kind of like that. And then that was kind of the end of it. And then, you know, a few minutes later, I was like, I'm sorry. And it wasn't a big deal. That was the end. She goes, yeah, it's okay. And I just said, yeah, I was just snappy. I apologize. And we kind of moved on. That's kind of was a little thing. It wasn't, you know, it just happens. It happens to all of us. But it was just in that moment, it did just a little bit strengthen the reactivity part of my mind. Because that's kind of was that moment. Right? In the moments when we are on automatic pilot, so we're just at the effect of things, we're just caught in things, not much you can do. Because you're, you don't even know, you're just, that's what being on automatic pilot means. That's why it's so important to use the moments we do have when we aren't on automatic pilot. To really use them as well as we can. Not getting stressed out about, oh, I have to use it. Not getting all tense and tight, but really being in touch with our intention. It's kind of, that's our touch point, touchstone that we always come back to when we're awake and have some choice to use that time. Because those are precious times, precious, precious moments. And the more we can strengthen the habit of the mind, the conditioning of the mind in those times, Informed by a clear intention. That's why the power of intention is so important. The more we can do that, it will actually also carry over more because it strengthens the conditioning or the habit of the mind. Even to the times we're on automatic pilot, we'll tend to be maybe less reactive or less snappy or whatever because we've used the, the times we could use more skillfully. So it's very, very important to use the times that we have some choice. And it's important to use that in two ways. 
And I think everybody here is, is really doing both of those, even though uh, there's no one here I, I, I don't think that I know well, a few people I know some, but I feel confident to say that, first of all, we've all come to a meditation group. So one of the things we're doing is practices like this that strengthen mindfulness, strengthen the ability of the mind to become more settled and steady. That's the concentration part. Those kind of go two, two sides of, of the same coin of the same thing. That uh, those qualities then naturally carry out into the rest of our lives more and more. If you're newer to meditation practice, you know, you may be wondering if that's ever actually going to happen for you. But it does. Again, it's what we're strengthening in our mind and in our hearts. And so, in fact, it does carry out more and more. And over time, many, many people do find that, yes, you can do it. You know, oh, yeah, even I can do it. Oh, yeah, even I can do it. So that's what we're all doing here. And everybody here who is sitting meditating, you were doing those practices. It may not have felt like it to you if you were sitting here lost 99% of the time or struggling. But in fact, just using the time the best you can is strengthening those qualities. And then the second thing is, um, so those are the qualities that help us be more awake, more deeply awake, more of the time. And then the second piece is what I was saying earlier about then using the time we are awake, going back to our touch point of our intention. What's the essential? What's the intention? And then being as aware as we can to bring that in. Um, I was just talking with someone on Saturday who um, was, um, you know, going through something that was very, very common about feeling like how hard it was to keep a meditation practice going in daily life which I think probably all of us can relate to. Definitely most of us can. It is hard. Let's just face it. It's definitely doable, but it's, you know, it's got its challenges, right? But he was telling me how much he did try to use just his time at work and interacting with others and whatever he's doing to be as kind as he could, as conscious as he could there. I thought that was, you know, if, if you do nothing but that, that's a, I would say that's a life worth well lived, I would say. He has to make his own valuation. So he was really trying to use the time the best he could. So we all need to, I think, you know, just summarizing up here and then we'll have a little discussion time is, again, trying to get as clear as we can about what's the essential and the inessential. From that, see what our intentions are. And then from that, using the time when we are not on automatic pilot, the best we can. And then the final piece is uh, knowing that uh, you're not going to get it perfectly right. You're going to screw it up a thousand times. And it's okay. It's, it's all about, I mean, it's, you can't help falling on automatic pilot in those times. You know, by definition, you know, until you're a Buddha yourself, there's places that still can get hooked and caught and reactive. So that when if you're on automatic pilot and even when you're not, you know, sometimes the forces could be quite strong. Uh, for example, um, I have an intention that I've shared here a number of times that um, uh, a real intention to live in a way that no living being is ever uh, shut out of my heart under any circumstances. That's an intention I have. 
And that's a pretty high standard. And so I have lots and lots and lots of opportunities to see how often beings get shut out of my heart. Right. I'm not, you know, I don't I'm not going to say, you know, there's plenty of times like that. That's all right. That's just the way my mind happens to be habituated. It's just is what it is for each of us. How I use the time, even if the, even if something happens that really I mean, this really irritated me and I know I'm right and I just want to tell that person, whatever, if it's something like that even. That's when I need to really, when the, when the energy of it is strong, when the energy is not so strong, it's real easy to let it go. But when it's really strong, that's when I need to remember what's my intention. Oh, wait, my intention is no living being ever shut on her. Oh, I guess that means, you know, this person, too, in this situation. <laughs> Okay, what am I going to do? And then I need to use whatever tools I can. Coming back to my intention. So I'm going to stop here and we have a few minutes. If anybody would like to either. um, If you have any questions, that's fine. But also, if you have just anything you'd like to add or comment or anything, that would be fine, too. And my understanding is we want we'd like for people to use the microphones, right? I'd like to know a little bit more. Maybe you could tell a little bit about youth if you're still doing that in class. Okay, yeah. I'll just say something brief. I'll repeat that because I'm not sure if if the microphone was cutting in and out. You were asking about this program we've just started this last year about uh, bringing mindfulness into the inner city schools in Oakland. And it's actually starting to spread out into more schools, not just inner city schools. So I don't want to get it's a big conversation, but uh, um, that program is going. It's expanded. We have uh, now been it just started as, a, as an experiment about a year ago, a pilot program to um, I happened to connect up with someone who um, as an educator had connections in the school. And somehow out of our conversation, we said, let's try to do a mindfulness program in the school. We went into one I say inner city, but it's really what, uh, populations that most of the kids are. Uh, I say the majority of them are on some kind of assistance for food, for you know meal programs. What I call underserved populations. If you, I don't, I don't I'm saying the politically wrong way, but uh, uh, and um, we did this program, which we do now, where we go into uh, every sing- for five weeks, three times a week, so 15 sessions. We go into every single class in the school. 15 minutes each. And uh, we do teaching the mindfulness. So we're teaching three things. One is the mind learning to quiet down. One is learning to be more self-aware. And then we also have a loving kindness piece we do about every third time. And um, it was just very, very powerful. And so um, we were very surprised about the results. So now we've been training more teachers and we've been into about a dozen schools. I'd say about maybe 2,700 kids. And. Uh, we're just meeting this week with people on the district level to see if we can um, uh, really get it from the district level down, uh, you know, from the administration down to going to more schools. So it's going and um, even though I kind of helped start it, I'm part time involved. And for those, I'll just say this. If people want to know more, it will actually get announced more 
through the IMC email list, because I'm sure there's people who are interested possibly in doing that kind of work and, and being teachers and doing that. And we, there's gonna, it's, I think it's going to be moving more to this area also. And an announcement will go out about it, so you'll know more if, for those who are interested. Or you could always contact me. Anyway, so that's a little different topic, but uh, is that okay? Good enough? Yeah. Oh, right. Yes, yes. There was that. Uh, we got on the news. And, yeah. <laughs> um, could you talk a little more about uh, not shutting people out of your heart? Like, how did it how did it start for you and some practices around that? I don't and, know. And may I add something to her question? Yes, ma'am. Especially if you, you know, like in the Dharma Pada said, you know, she rocked me. She, you know, if it's somebody like that, how do you not shut somebody like that out of your heart? Well, look, um, I don't know how to not shut someone out of your heart. I don't know how, but what I do, I, I don't. But like in a moment, how does, I don't know. But, but what I know is, is that like anything, the more we practice, the more we kind of direct the mind like that, even if we're kind of faking it a little bit, it does start to strengthen that. So, for example, when, when we do practices here to end, uh, you know, you often, I'm sure you end doing some metta, poly word for loving kindness practices to end, you know, and you might be sending out phrases as one way it's done. It's not the only, but one way repeating phrases, may all beings be happy or peaceful, or maybe just a felt sense or it's a visualization or image or many, many ways that just strengthens the ability to do it. So um, another thing, way that people uh, strengthen it is. Um, you start with someone that it's very easy to love. You know, it could be a pet. It's fine. Yeah, uh, you know, just and you just work with that and just feeling the good feelings of it. And that strengthens. We, we actually get sort of a somatic uh, embodied experience of what that's like. And then from there, when we're in a good space, you don't pick the hardest thing. It's just way too much, you know, but you just kind of then. Let it go out a little bit, maybe to someone maybe neutral, right? Or and you work on that for a while, and then and you can spend a lot of time, and then you can um, maybe go to someone who's okay. Now I'm ready for a, maybe a, someone who's a minor irritant, <laughs> and you work on that and everything, and you work and work, and you know, and you know, like I haven't, I have not reached the point where there's no edge, right? So. You know, if, I, I don't know, but maybe the mind of a Buddha, there's no edge anymore. I don't know. So I think it's like anything. We just find the different. There's so many practices out there. Uh, Sharon Salzberg has her book on loving kindness. Um, there are practices. You just show up at a place like this and you'll get taught different practices. Uh, not only loving kindness, there are compassion practices, uh, which I'm thinking we'll do. If any of you are coming on to the day long, it's mostly going to be a day of of both concentration and mindfulness practices for the day. But I was thinking rather than doing loving kindness, sort of we'll, we'll bring in some compassion practices so you can do some of that. So we just work on it. It's like it's it's exactly like saying, how do you quiet your mind down? Well, you can't just go quiet your mind down. Right. If you could, you would. But what you can do is start to strengthen the ability of the mind to quiet down. By doing practices over time and it strengthens. It's the same thing. So I don't know. Is that a good, okay answer? I mean, it's not very specific, but that's really. No, that's that's good. I just wondered if there was something that 
loving kindness, that's, that's where you've started. And now you're saying there's compassion practices. Um, I don't know, just some like little tricks that maybe work for you. Here's one trick. There's many tricks. To me, now I don't know how this will be for you, so just see. Because one of the things also about no matter of all the different practices, and this is real important, there's no better or worse or right or wrong, whether it's Vipassana meditation, whether it's loving kindness practices. There's so many. What's important is finding the ones that um, resonate for us. And it'll be different for each of us. And that's the key. And to do that, we just need to be around enough to get exposed to different styles, different teachers, different things. Here's one that works for me. Many do not realize that we here must die. For those who realize this, quarrels end. So it may be just reflecting on that. And that might inform um, what's important, what's essential and non-essential. I don't know if that helped. I think that one would work. (laughs) Another one that I heard, and I don't know where this comes from. I heard it from Mary Orr, who's the main teacher in, the, uh, in Santa Cruz, where I used to live for many years. She, she, so I don't know if she made it up or got it somewhere else. She said, there's a practice of imagining that everybody's enlightened except you. <laughs> and everything they're doing is solely for your benefit to help you come to awakening. <laughs> and I thought, wow, you know, it really is pretty powerful. <laughs> it just shifts everything. I like the one about pretending they're going to be dead. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. And one, one last. Actually, yeah. actually, I have I have that thought with. Um, sometimes I'm irritated by uh, my husband, and then I, I sometimes I think, you know, what if he was lying there dead, and I think of his absolutely fabulous, wonderful qualities, and he is yeah. a, I think, an extraordinary person. Yeah. And that just changes everything. Right. I mean, that does shift. Yeah. So anyway, there's so many ways we can just start to turn the turn. It. Um, you know, and it's uh, one last thing on that. It's also important to um, honor the places in us that ha- that are um, that have been hurt, that are wounded, that maybe things have been done to us that are weren't so great or whatever that might be for each of us. And we all, maybe for some of us it's not so much and for some of us it might be more. Um, and it's just, just, we don't need to necessarily dwell on that, but um, just, to be, just to honor in a sense that, you know, there may be places where it's not so easy for the heart to open. And, um, and, and, and then maybe with time, healing possibly can happen. Um, but not just think, oh, well, we're supposed to just love everybody all the time. You know, uh, I think it's important to really, that's the compassion part for ourselves, is to start with, well, what's really real and true here? And then from that, what direction do I want to try to move the best I can? The best I can. So, so. Anyway, so thank you. Um, well, I, we don't have much time left, but if there's one, maybe one or two more something, things quick. Well, then let's end. 
And to end, what I would like to invite you to do, you may already be doing this, what I'm about to say. But if not, what can happen, you know, when we have discussions or a talk, there may be things we like or don't like or whatever's going on. Our our awareness can be pulled out of ourselves into the space of the room or just getting out into the conversation. You know, if that's happened, just I would invite you to bring your awareness back, um, uh, connecting in just into the body as a starting place and then just back into yourself. Just the experience sitting here now in the room. And just to notice the body and whatever's going on in the heart and the mind, just your whole experience of just being here now. And you may have some pleasant experiences. You may be having some unpleasant. It may be kind of in between, sort of neutral, whatever it is. Just kind of hanging out with yourself. And I would invite you to notice not only what your experience is, but how you are being with or how you're relating with your experience. And see if there can be that sense of allowing Uh, That letting be. See if there can be a way of not making a problem of whatever's going on. If if it's unpleasant, for example, and just kind of being there with what it is. That's a place actually of of self-acceptance, which is a great place of loving kindness for ourselves. And it may be when something's going on, it's not so easy to um, sort of let be or be with. And so bring some acceptance for that place. Maybe there's a place of struggle and it's not so, so easy. So, okay, bring some acceptance for that. I would like to end tonight then from this place that we've just been uh, talking about uh, with uh, a dedication of merit. And so to, to do this, I would like to again invite you to reflect that you, that we have all used our time wisely this evening. You know, you could have done anything with your time. And you came here to do this, to spend your evening. We spent time uh, uh, meditating together. So learning, practicing, strengthening the ability to, to to quiet down, to be more clear and awake, to be more present with ourselves. And then to uh, talk about and have a discussion around uh, a few of the passages in the Dhammapada and this idea of intention, very wholesome, skillful, wise uh, quality to cultivate in ourselves and reflected on uh, distinguishing between the essential and the inessential what our motivations, what our intentions are. And so any time we spend time in this way, any time we uh, cultivate these qualities, it's of great uh, benefit to ourselves. But it's also of great benefit uh, to others. You know, if we become more peaceful in our own hearts, it certainly affects how we interact with others. So, And in fact, to reflect that it's not possible to Practice for yourself alone. It's literally not possible. So we can make that more conscious. So it's 
call a dedication of merit. It's offering up. If there's a, it's a prayer or a wish or it's another intention. If there's been any um, good qualities or if there's been any wholesome qualities. There's been any, we say, if there's been any merit, is another way of saying it, that's come about, that's been generated by our time together this evening. Let us offer it up. May it be for the benefit and liberation of all beings. So it's, and again, kind of as a wish or an intention. Or you could say prayer. That would be fine if, if that resonates for you. May all beings everywhere be peaceful and happy. And may all beings uh, come to an end of suffering. And then finally, to end with this short passage from the Metta Sutta, it's, it's a discourse the Buddha gave on loving kindness. He said, um, Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, in that same way, in that same way, I actually want to let that sit for a second because it's the power of a mother and a child. So with a boundless heart, in that same way should we cherish all living beings. So thank you all very much for your practice this evening. Perhaps I'll see some of you again, perhaps on the Saturday.